This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Slowly we started, you know, picking these turtles up and saving them. I'll stop traffic, grab one out of the road. And then our friends found out and our vet would call us. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We are now a full-fledged, nonprofit turtle rescue. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. From MPB Think Radio, you're listening to Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. It's an all-pet day on Creature Comforts this morning. The doors to our pet hospital are wide open, and we welcome all pet questions from the big to the small. Maybe you have a cat or dog at home, or maybe both. Do you have a question about an exotic pet like a rabbit, snake, or ferret? Don't hesitate to join our conversation by phone or email. Or if you've had any wildlife experiences, we always like to hear those, so call us up and share. You can always send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. And if you miss the broadcast of Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So Libby was caught in traffic but just walked in the studio, so good morning, Libby. Good morning. Let's uh, start off. We always like to hear what's going on in your yard. Well, in fact, I guess I've been so um, kind of the cold weather and a little under the weather myself, so I haven't gotten out very much this week, but this morning I decided just got to do it anyway. So a little rainy and cold, and I was outside walking around about, um, oh, I don't know, it was four, it was 38 degrees, so it had warmed up a little. And it started to sound a little like spring, early, <laughs> early spring. Uh, the leopard frogs, of course, that's not really, I guess, the spring. That's uh, late winter. The leopard frogs were making their laugh. And I got a list of several of my birds, most of them the usual birds. But some were singing with a little spring in their voice, I thought. So it sounded pretty cool. Let's see. I've got a list here somewhere. But... Uh, you know, most of the usual suspects, I had um, had our cardinals and our robins, and let's see, I can't actually, I don't know if I can pull up my list right now, my last recordings, I was, because I recorded some of the songs too, but uh the Carolina wrens were loud and strong, and the tufted tip mice were doing their song. And um, had, uh, let's see, still had my um, uh, goldfinches were were looking good too. The male goldfinches were bright in color, and everything looked good. So um, I'm a little encouraged now, even if it's still cold. I think um, spring's on the way. That's good news, uh, not only for us here in central Mississippi, where it's been kind of cold and rainy, but uh, in, in the northern part of the state, they've been dealing with the, the ice that's been uh, plaguing a lot of the country. So hopefully uh, spring is right around the corner and we get some, some nicer weather. That's I haven't sure. heard what the groundhog's going to say yet, though, have you? I thought uh, a friend of mine on Facebook who does not like cold weather at all said something about, how about we all go up and kidnap that uh, groundhog <laughs> and make him change his mind? So I think it might have been the one for more weather. I'm not sure I really exactly. don't trust the groundhog. <laughs> I heard. I like um, the movie, but the, the groundhog I don't really trust. It was, but I heard somebody say he's only 
right about 50% of the time. Yeah, it was two. It was I, I heard about two reports. Poxitani Phil, he saw his shadow, but then there's one in Atlanta, I think, uh, Beauregard. Um, he didn't see his shadow, so you know it's kind of conflicting reports. Which groundhog do you want to believe <laughs> for your, um, you know? fictitious weather report. <laughs> yeah. Well, it could be the one in Atlanta has the southern forecast and the one up in Pennsylvania has the forecast for the northeast. Who knows? Although my grandfather was born in Punxsutawney. Thank you. I, I you just need I to watch the movie a couple more times. Yeah. Uh, at least we have options. I kind of like to be able to if, yeah, since I, we know it's not really based in science anyway, we can take our pick, right? Yeah, it's all it's all in fun. But yeah. I do have something to share with the group. I um, talked about my um, my uh, barred owl mm-hmm. um, last week. I finally saw it. I saw the barred mm-hmm. owl. Um, I was coming home. Um, it may have been about ten thirty, maybe eleven o'clock at night. And I, once I got out of the car, I heard it. It was calling, and I just kept looking. I said, "I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you." And I actually saw it. It was off on a branch. I, I got super excited, went inside, got my flashlight, and I, I think I messed, messed with it a little bit too much because it started flying from branch to branch uh, trying to avoid my flashlight. But I just wanted, I was so excited that I finally saw it. I heard it again last night. I think it's made a home in our uh, backyard or something because it is... It is there, and it is who cooks for you every night. <laughs> yeah. And the thing about that sound, once you learn the sound, then you know what to look for, and that makes a big difference. Yeah, it was a nice, yeah. um, a nice uh, uh, with, uh, I guess, the, the front part, the breast uh, was kind of white, and I could tell it was, uh, it was, it was brown on the, yeah. on the outside. So it was, it, was, it was nice. It was exciting. Oh, that's great. Oh, I've got a follow-up, I guess, on my um, Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. And he still um, goes after the car windows, still covering up all the um, mirrors on the window, both sides of of each of the vehicles. But the mirror that we hung up for him, it's like it's now it's his friend. (laughs) I don't know how he can tell the difference between one mirror and another mirror, but this one never goes away. So he sits by his mirror. And leaves and attacks the the mirrors on the car, and then goes back to sit by his mirror. So, um, I think he, he, you know, he needs some counseling. But it's, uh, <laughs> it, it I, we've decided that it at least it makes him happy. It, it, he's still, you know, messing up the cars pretty bad. But if it makes him happy, that's good. Well, it, it, I think he's identified he likes the one mirror, and so all the other ones he's he's going to do what he can to, you know, it's like, I've got the only mirror in town here. Yeah. That's a, Maybe he thinks he's found a mate. I guess that's could possible. Be. That, yeah. He's going to be disappointed. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is an all-creature, uh, an all-creature comfort. It's an all-pet day on Creature Comforts, and we're looking for your pet questions for Dr. Major this morning. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Dr. Major. Let's start you off with an email. This one says, my adult cat's not eating any wet food, but clearly wants some. None of the oldies will do. When he does eat the wet food, he only slurps the broth, hardly ever eating the flesh, fish, fowl, or red meat. I've tried uh, My Human Tuna, Fancy Feast, Gravy Lovers, and Broth Series. Uh, help, he's a very healthy, robust, nine-and-a-half-pound, two-year-old cat. Okay, so he's eating his dry food, but he's not eating the wet food. Right, and apparently only the liquid part of the wet food and then leaves the rest. We see a fair number of cats that uh, get stuck on one thing and they won't they won't change, 
it's great if they can eat both wet and dry. But uh, I don't know there's anything particularly wrong with this cat. Uh, he likes the gravy, I guess. But at the same time, I can't imagine it being too bad a thing. So, you know, I would keep giving him a good quality dry food and occasionally try a little canned food. He might change. I know that my cats, I give them a treat with uh, some wet food, and occasionally they'll look at it, walk off, and say, to heck with that. I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> and their cats are cats. Are cats. As I've always said, they're finicky sometimes, but I'm not real sure. But at an early age, I think it's wise to start giving um, your cat a little option with some canned food and and continue with dry food. The canned food is easier to mix some medicines with, especially. And uh, if you had to get into a situation where you were giving medication uh, and able to mix it with the wet food, it can make it a lot easier on you. Yeah, my cat doesn't really like the wet food that much, and it's, it's similar that I, it, he doesn't completely ignore the non-wet part, but he seems to enjoy the broth more than the rest. And that thing that was interesting, he likes treats, and for a while, though, he got to the where he would turn up his nose at them, but and so I just decided not to give it to him for a while. And after a couple of months, the next time you know I poured out a little pile for him, he seemed to enjoy it. So maybe sometimes they just want a little variety, get tired of something, and and they'll come back to it at a later time. Yes, Kevin, I think that is true. They they like a little variety, but they may fool you all of a sudden, you know, and say, "Hey, I want some of this," but uh, quite often they refuse, and you wonder why. But that's that's just being a cat. And then, uh, you know, my, I think my cat seems to not particularly like, what, stale food or food that's been in his bowl for a while. But I've discovered, especially when I go out of town, that uh, when push comes to shove and he's around there and I'm not and there's food in the bowl, it's amazing how his bowl is always empty when I get back home from being out of town. So right. he eventually has to. There's all kind of cartoons about cats and their habits and everything. Of course, one of the ones that I like is that you know, I can see the bottom of my bowl. Are you trying to starve me? Uh, <laughs> what, what's going on here? You know, and uh, they, they don't like to see the bottom of the bowl. Now they may not eat it all; they may eat around. But uh, I would say that yes, they cats can be fairly demanding. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield. Today we're taking your pet questions and. Also, we always like to hear any encounters which the nature that you have. As promised, up first, it's Marie in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Marie. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, if you don't mind, please listen to this um, bark. I'd like to make sure that these are, these are great foxes. Hold on just a minute, please. All right, Marie, I think we heard a little bit there, kind of a high-pitched bark. There. All right, Marie, we got it. Where, where did you? Uh, where is this outside of your house? Yeah, it's in, in my backyard. We live a little bit out from Hattiesburg, uh-huh. and um, they come. They came from um, early spring to uh, late. Uh, summer around November. After that, we never saw saw them again. So I'd like to know what is their territory and what are their behaviors and hab- and habits. Okay, um, I didn't hear enough of that to be positive. But if you've seen the gray fox, then you've probably got them around still. 
And I don't, you know, I haven't read up recently. I know that their territories are not really large, large. So, and they don't mind being around people. They they adjust to, you know, if you're a good neighbor to them, they'll be a good neighbor to you. And uh, they hunt your mice, and that's always good, right? So they'll look for mice and rats. And um, hopefully that's probably what you've got then, if you've seen them. Keep an eye out and let us know if, if they show up. Uh, Dr. Major, were you able to hear that? Uh-huh. Yes, I did. And uh, not, uh, I would say that that's probably what she's, what she's recording. And they, they, as Libby said, they don't have a wide range, but they go, again, where the food source is. And maybe we'll have a den in the area uh, as well. So that's pretty neat. Uh, they're they're interesting little animals, and they certainly are, are beautiful. When you see them uh, once like that, your chances of seeing them again are very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it okay if we put some some food out there? No. No, don't do that. They, for one thing, you want them to catch your mice. You want them to eat the mice and. Troy can talk about the nutritional value, but I think their bodies are made to to hunt and eat what they find. Yeah, they made a den underneath a piece of concrete that we have here, and uh, it was actually a litter of three. Oh, good. Right. Yeah. But, no, it's, it's better not to put out food for them because uh, they've become used to that. And it may attract other animals as well that you you don't necessarily want in the area. But they're great uh, predators as far as mice and rats, uh, maybe even rabbits. But uh, I would say that you're probably wrong to put out food for them. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Now we know for sure. All right. Thanks, Marie, for your phone call. Uh, Dr. Major, here is another email. This one, another cat email. We have a cat who's decided the clean litter box is just fine as long as he's placed in it by one of us. Otherwise, he'll squat on the living room rug for most of his solid waste. I think he actually uses the box for urine, so not sure what's happening in his head. He's had a history of of this behavior going on for several years. Any suggestions or something we might uh, do that we've not tried yet? Well, that's an interesting interesting issue. And they say when they put him in the litter box, he will use it for his stool or solid waste. So that's, uh, he's, I don't know if he's trained them. It sounds like he might have. Uh, a lot of times once a cat or, or a dog gets uh, to using a carpet or a certain area of the house for a you know, a bathroom, if you will, or a litter box, that it's, it's difficult to change that. My suggestion would be more than one litter box if they don't have it. I don't know if they have several cats or not, but usually the rule is one, one litter box per cat plus one. And I realize it may not be, uh, what shall I say, aesthetic, but why don't you put a litter box in the area where he tends to defecate and see, and maybe a little bit larger litter box than than normal. Uh, One of our listeners last week had an interesting thing, and you know, there's this, uh, what I call sweater containers or Mm -hmm. uh, towel containers that are fairly large, and they make excellent litter boxes. They're about the right height. And you can use those, which would be a little bit larger than your regular uh, commercial litter box. So maybe put one in close proximity to where he's going and make it a little bit larger. 
And I will say it's it's not good, but uh, ver, ver, having to clean up the solid wastes versus the urine, I think it, it's I would rather deal with the solid waste than cat urine because that can be an awful oh, problem absolutely. for sure. Yes. And it's interesting. <clears throat> so if it's, if a if a family's having litter box problems with their cats, it, it would one suggestion be to change the location of the box see if they can find a spot that the the cat might prefer. That's true, and again, uh, so many many times people don't want to have that one litter box per cat. And of course, if you've got eight cats, I can understand maybe the concern there. But still, that's true. And a lot of cats, once they go in a litter box, uh, they don't want to get their feet dirty, uh, and that can be an issue. Uh, thorough cleaning of the litter box, uh, I would say, as often as you can, uh, it's very important, uh, and certainly you could place I, I like the idea of placing one in a close area where the cat is uh, soiling or using that where you have a litter box elsewhere so the other thing is sometimes cats uh, have difficulty going upstairs uh, if you have uh, but a lot of times they will go up maybe in a certain bedroom or something like that and defecate or urinate so it's good to have litter boxes uh, in both areas Arthritis is another issue that cats have uh, as far as not going to a litter box uh, where you have it. They may have to decide they're going to go wherever they can when they feel the urge. And some cats do have some problems as they get older getting in litter boxes. Uh, but I, uh, to echo something that you said, I found that if, if you're good at cleaning the litter box out on a regular basis and keeping it clean and with fresh litter and that sort of thing, that to me has eliminated a lot of my problems. And it seems to make sense. I mean, anybody that, you know, we want a clean area when we have to do that. So, so your cat as well. So give them plenty of room because I know they like to dig around in there and <laughs> find the per- perfect spot to do what they need to do. So if you uh, if you do your part and help keep it clean, I think most of our cats will do their part uh, and continue to use it um, as they should. So uh, one other email here, this one a little bit longer, and it's a, a dog email. It says, our only dog is a cross between a pit bull and a Jack Russell. We've never owned either of these breeds, but got her to keep the armadillo out of the yard. She did her job well until attacked twice by strays, now doesn't want to go outside. She's inside with us when we're home. My concern are five, six to 13-year-old grandchildren that love her and she loves them, but stands very still with her ears pinned back and tail wagging when they pet her. I'm fearful of her appearance. Sometimes she'll yelp like she's hurt and jerk around a bit, but never snaps at the children. Rubbing her head seems fine, yet her ears are still back. The horror stories about pit bull attacks prompt me to ask, should we keep her? I know this is not your call, but we will make a better judgment after hearing from you. Uh, thanks for your reply. I appreciate the program. So um, concern here about a, a, a pit bull mix? You know, certainly uh, <laughs> that's, that's a difficult question to answer. And, you know, there are a lot of pit bulls that are perfectly great, and a lot of it has to do with how they've been trained, how how they're handled. It sounds just like this dog had a traumatic event uh, from the standpoint of other dogs. I think they said, what, two dogs are attacked attacked this dog. Right. And it can make a difference in the personality. I would question whether or not she's ever offered to bite anybody. I don't know how old the uh, grandkids are. Uh, They need to be very careful, though, with any dog of size when they're up around the face and petting uh, the face. The fact that this dog's ears are back uh, is cause for concern, even though she's wagging her tail. I would seek uh, maybe a professional trainer to assess 
what's going on with this dog, and possibly there's some remedial type uh, efforts that can be done to help assure that this dog is not going to uh, be a biter. Right. Uh, without seeing the dog myself, it's going to be difficult for me to give any better advice than that. But I will say, be careful with grandkids, especially those that are like four years and under. That can always be a big issue. Okay. Uh, back to the phone lines we go off to Wilkerson County. I think our, we had heard from him before. It's uh, Chief Rainwater on the line with us. Chief, good morning. Go ahead. Good morning to y'all. Uh, Dr. Good Major, morning. was that yes. sound that had, that sound uh, was it a fox that you you believe? That's a difficult thing uh, for me to be certain about. I wondered about it. Uh, they, in my opinion, they usually give more of a yip. I guess that's a good thing. Then uh, that sounded almost like like a animal that was horse. <laughs> and I, I don't have as much experience with foxes as maybe some of the listeners do. But, uh, Libby, I think you mentioned that it sounded like it could be, but I couldn't really 100% say, that, in my opinion, that that is a fox. Yeah, my answers were, were based on the fact that she's seen them evidently a good bit, and they've, uh, they've dinned there close to her house in the past, so she may have them. Uh, I guess we yeah. can try to look up some I've, sounds. I've heard, I've heard foxes around here, you know, and that's what it appeared to be. But also, I've heard other other things around here. I recorded some years ago an animal that was uh, lurking around here, and I never could see it. That's the only animal that I've never been able to see to try to get up on. <laughs> I've spent my life in the woods, and uh, a person was telling me that it was an oscillate. And I looked that up, and that came from the rainforest. I'm like, you know, what are people turning a loose? just coming into this country here. But years ago, when I bought my place up here from my uncle, uh, I heard something out in the woods, and I uh, got out there in the driveway, and I went to yelping just like it. And it was a black panther. I seen this cat. He walked around behind my shed. He walked out in the driveway, and I had a light on it. It never looked back at me. And I watched it walk on up the driveway. And this thing was humongous. It was a big black panther. Chief, we've had people have cited a black panther, but I don't know. Maybe there's not been a, a documented uh, case of, of anyone seeing one. Uh, yeah, Chief, I would have to say that this probably was a release. Uh, we have so many people that get a panther or a cougar uh, and release. And I would say that that probably was what you were seeing, especially if it was large, a large animal. If you see it again, get a picture. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen links up here, and I've seen bobcats. I've seen all kinds of stuff up here. But it just makes me wonder. I've seen the other day in the news where some monkeys were taken out of some cages, and I'm, and I'm like, you know, what are people that are bringing into this country or people may have and, you know, just – can't afford to feed it or get tired of it. And they turn these things loose, just like those pythons down in Florida have taken over. People don't You're need absolutely. to be yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh, I know, and thinking about experiences in the woods, one of the experiences that really got my attention, uh, it's been several years now, but uh, there was this 
awful sound, and it was a screech, and it sounded just like somebody crying or a woman crying. I hate to use that necessarily. I guess a man could cry as well. But after figuring it out, and it was repeated, it's a dang peacock, and they can make some of the, <laughs> the worst sounds that you can imagine sounding like, I thought at first that it was a large cat, but it was a peacock. Hmm. All right, uh, Chief, thanks for your call this morning. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. It's an all-pet day, so we're looking for your pet questions and comments. Back to the phone lines we go. As promised, first up, it's Joe from Hancock County. Good morning, Joe. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. This kind of harkens back, back to Libby's comment about the frog this morning. Okay. This pet, this past Tuesday morning, at about 1 o'clock in the morning, my wife punches me in the ribs and says, we got chipmunks in the attic. I said, we want to have chipmunks, not down here, and they're not in the attic. She punched me again. She said, here? I said, that's a leopard frog. We got a pond. We have a pond about 75 feet from our bedroom window, and, I, and they were going at it Tuesday morning. Yeah. Um, but I said, that's a leopard frog. They kind of sound kind of like two balloons rubbing against each other. Yeah, that's a good. But, um, that's another good explanation. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I've always said they're laughing, but you're right. It, the two balloons <laughs> would be. It's an odd sound, and they sound like they're having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, and I did the uh, frog survey, the federal government frog survey, a couple of years ago down here in Hancock oh, yeah. County. And if you go to the, um, you can correct me. Uh, Living, uh, there's a website there. You can go to a public quiz, and you can learn all about the, the frogs in the area and the sound, the calls that they make. It's really nice. There is, yeah. And I, I don't. I wish I remembered how you find that website, but it's uh, you could Google around and find it. But yeah, it's a good way to learn those songs, isn't it? Yeah. Or calls, whatever we call it when it's frogs. <laughs> Yeah, and I've, I've been a, I'm an avid birder here at the Audubon Society down here in Hancock, and we'll go taking new people, and they'll they'll hear something. What is that? What kind of bird is that? I said that's a frog, and I'll tell them what it, what it is. But um, it's always good to know what you're hearing yeah. in the woods. So. Yeah, um, you've probably heard the the bird voice tree frogs, and I've sure. heard them for years and years, and never found one and we were on the Audubon walk in LaFleur's Bluff not too long ago and by the way I guess the first Saturday of every month is the Audubon walk so I would imagine they're going to have one this coming Saturday nobody's told me I'll check into that later but uh, somebody found the little bird voice tree frog I've got a picture of it on the back of my hand but it's a um it, it was it was a lot of fun, and we'd of course never found it if we hadn't heard it first. Well, and that's an accomplishment. I mean, you can hear them all the time, but it's, uh, well, not all the time. But you can, yeah. But to try to find one, I mean, when they're only an inch long or whatever, uh, you're very lucky. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a tiny. Very cute little frog. I'd say frogs in general are good at camouflage because I know when I walk in a, a, one of the parks in Pearl after work, I hear frogs a lot of time, and you stop and kind of try to find out where they are, and you know that's that they're good at hiding. That that's part of their their thing. All right, uh, Joe. Thanks for the call this morning. Good story. Thanks for sharing with us. Uh, let's move on. Stay on the phone lines. Next, it's our friend Kathleen who calls us from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. Go ahead. Uh, 
two quick questions. One's about the rabbit, and I don't see her drinking a lot of water. I don't know how she drinks at a regular time, but I've been keeping her inside in this tote and taking care of that while she's going through all this rain and cold and back and forth. Um, so I've been using a, a very wide eyedropper, and uh, when she sees it, notices, she goes to it, and she drinks out of that. So I don't know how much she drinks in normal or, or whatever, but or not. And the other question I have is about peacocks. Um, I have a friend that may be giving me some, and I'm trying to figure out whether I do want them. Do they attack small children, people, cats, dogs, rabbits? Uh, how are they uh, personality-wise? Dr. Major, why don't you take the one about the rabbit first? Tell me about the rabbit again. I didn't understand exactly. I had some background noise from the dogs. Well, what, what you... You, you know my little rabbit, Lucito, the only one I've got. She, right. You know, the, the old lady in the family. And I'm worried about her water intake because I've been keeping her in this tote with the hay and all her food and, you know, boiling her rotten because she can't take the change in the heat and the cold like it is with all the dampness. And right. uh, she doesn't mind it a bit because she's spoiled. But um, I want to make sure she's drinking, so I fill up this wide, uh, like an eyedropper, but it's kind of a thick one. And I fill it with water, and I hold it up to her, and she's realized there's water in there, and she doesn't mind doing that. But any other time, you don't see her drinking anything. Okay. I would continue to. I guess she's spoiled, you know, pretty much, sounds like. Living the <laughs> yeah. life, of, life of a princess rabbit. <laughs> But, uh, you know, offer water with the dropper like you're doing, or a syringe might be easier to measure, you know, how much she's taking in. How much does she weigh? Any idea? Is she I'd a big say, rabbit or a small rabbit? Well, she was bigger, much bigger. My patient's right. around five pounds. I went off on vacation. Well, vacation. I went in the hospital last summer, and there was supposed to be somebody watching her. And I confirmed and all like that. I was in for three days, and when I came home, she had lost half her body size and weight, laying at the bottom of the cage, almost dead. And I like to have heart attacks, but um, I'm bringing her back, but he said he forgot about it. (laughs) I hate that, yeah. Uh, I would continue to supplement her water, make sure she's got it available. And uh, how old is she? Uh, well, I got her in the winter of 2013-2014, and she was probably already a year old. Okay, so she's 10 years old, give or take. You know, I'm not saying that you need to rush her in and get her tested or not, but I suspect that kidneys may be an issue. uh, If she's lost that much body weight or body mass. Uh, Well, she's coming back now, but... uh, it scared me because she was so big and healthy before. Nobody right. could believe how old she was. And she's uh, a little, about a third smaller than what she used to be. Right. But I continue doing the supplemental water and just any food that she'll eat treat-wise. You know how to take care of her, and that's, that's important. So it sounds like she is doing better, so that's great. Yeah, she eats a lot of uh, grasses, seeds, and flowers from the yard that I know she can eat on top of her pellets. And her right. breakfast usually consists of a slice of raw yam or uh, sweet potato, 
a couple of carrots, maybe a pinch of raisins, a pinch of walnuts, you know, something like that. And she loves her animal crackers. She gets uh, two or three animal crackers. That's her big thing. She loves those. Now, Kathleen, so don't don't quite... give her any rabbit-shaped animal crackers, though. That That's... <laughs> Oh, I won't do that, Kevin. I promise. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for the call. Uh, quick follow-up, Dr. Major. I know, uh, speaking of peacocks, I was at a zoo in Louisiana once, and they kind of let the peacocks roam through the zoo without being in any sort of cage or, you know, that sort of thing, any enclosure. Any thoughts on, on peacocks and, and their behavior? Right. And, you know, I didn't address that when we were talking just then, but here's the thing. you got to be prepared. Number one, the peacocks do make a lot of noise. Number two, they will get on the roof of the house. Uh, they'll, you know, but they will also damage cars, your car or Vista's car. Uh, they they like to do that. So be aware that there may be some issues uh, with them. As far as attacking small children and dogs, cats, I don't know if they might, but uh, somebody that has peacocks might might be able to answer that. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's an all-pet day on the show, so... I'm joined today by Dr. Troy Major from the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Uh, we got some calls coming in, but nothing quite lined up yet. So, Dr. Major, if you would talk to us, and we've talked about this before because it's very important, but uh, dental health for our pets. Uh, do dogs and cats get cavities? Kevin, that's a great question. Um, they can get cavities. It's not as common as it is in people, I think, probably because of diet. That's <laughs> probably a big factor. And genetics are very important. Uh, good dental care, care is very important with dogs and cats. Uh, certainly, infected teeth can lead to all kind of disease, heart conditions, uh, uh, kidneys, liver, all can suffer from very uh, infected teeth. I would say that a large percentage of our dogs do need to have their teeth cleaned, uh, inspected each uh, year, maybe in, every six months even in some cases. Uh, they build up tartar or plaque, and there are ways that you can help prevent that. And you can even brush your dog's teeth. Very few cats would tolerate it, I would think, <laughs> but you can certainly uh, brush your dog's teeth. This is uh, actually, it's national, I was going to mention this, it's um, actually recognized as National Pet Dental Month. And uh, you need to ask your veterinarian to check your dog's teeth if they have them or your cat. And... Uh, I would suggest that a lot of teeth uh, need to be cleaned. Uh, and if you're seeing a bad odor from your dog or cat's mouth, it may be that they need to be uh, checked. Uh, one suggestion I know that you've given us before on when it comes to that is, is when there are puppies uh, to maybe get a little bit of gauze and gently massage their gums to maybe get them a little bit used to having, you know, someone kind of messing around in that part of their of their body, but kind of get them used to maybe having uh, teeth cleaned later on uh, when they get older. Exactly. I've seen uh, little dogs, especially small dogs, will almost go to sleep when you start massaging their, their cheeks. You know, externally, you know, you don't have to put your finger in in the mouth, but they seem to like that. And then you can take a gauze sponge or uh, something like that and actually uh, help to prevent tartar. Massaging the gums is very important, and that does help. All right, back to the phone lines we go. Evelyn's called in from Jackson today. Good morning, Evelyn. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Um, this is not really a pet question, so we may need to postpone it to another week. But 
I usually have goldfinches at my black oil sunflower seed feeder as well as my pickle feeder, and I have none this year. What's going on? And it's saying it's true at my father's house. Dr. Major, any thoughts? I know we've talked about this before yeah. and maybe sometimes right. just different flight patterns and things. Right. And I've not seen uh, – I saw several goldfinches the other day uh, right before the last rain that we had, but I have not seen any lately. Uh, plenty of uh, tufted tit mice, uh, some wrens, uh, cardinals. But, no, I have not seen the numbers of goldfinches that I've seen in the past. And a lot of times you'll see a flock of goldfinches. There will literally be dozens, if not more than dozens. But uh, I have not seen that this year. And, Evelyn, so, go ahead, Dr. Major. Excuse me. And there are changes in flight patterns. Uh, even though you may be in the same house and have the same feed out or food out for the birds that you had before, they could have changed their flight pattern or be stop, overstopping somewhere else. Yeah, Evelyn, and the other thing that we've heard from our bird experts when we have them on the air is, you know, don't don't give up, don't stop trying to feed them because, as Dr. Major mentioned, sometimes it's just they've gone to another area, and that does not mean that, they, that they'll never come back to where you are. So the advice has always been to kind of keep doing what you're doing, and hopefully uh, they'll recognize you as a source for food and, and stop in your yard uh, in the future. Or some other social media group that targets goldfinches? Do we know? Um, I would no, imagine. No, I don't. Audubon maybe uh, the would be a, a possible, or you know, maybe just Google goldfinches in Mississippi or there something and see if there might be a group that's uh, that might give you some more information. I do know that they are year round in North Mississippi, but I'm in the Jackson area, so they just come winter. Usually, we get their beautiful olives feathers and then when they get them this time of year they start turning gold and then there's a couple of weeks after that they're out of here so well, hang in there you like say you they, they might you might find some that uh, that like what's in in your yard and and and, and stop by so we appreciate your call uh, let's stay on the phone lines next we're going to go to giles who's called in today good morning giles you're on the air with us uh good morning how are you sir good what do you have for us today well, I've got a friend that has asked my help, and I don't know exactly how to help him. Uh, he has a beautiful yard and has a real pretty pond in the back, in the back of it. And uh, he put uh, bought him some ducks and put on the pond, and they all disappeared. And come to find out, his little pond is not real big; is infested with black turtles. And uh, I'm just wondering. He wants me to try to help him get rid of the turtles. Is there? I mean. How can you get it? The pond's about eight foot deep. And, uh, I mean, is there something that they make that you can put in there to run them out of there? Or uh, how, I mean, is it something that can help? Any thoughts, Dr. Major? That's a great question. Uh, I, I would have to say I can't visualize the pond exactly. How, how big is the, the total acreage of the pond? Do you know or is it uh, small? No, I don't. I don't know, but it's a small pond. Yeah, it's, it's not right. real big. And there's no way that that could be drained. I'm just I'm trying to think of how they might uh, be able to take care of that. Uh, and certainly, well, I, I I thought of that, but that that's a lot of trouble. Uh, and I didn't want I, I I wanted to save that as last resort. I thought maybe y'all might have something right. that something that or think of something that I I, I haven't. I would believe it would be wise to call uh, two two different things. One, the extension service, uh, county extension service. They might have some ideas about that. 
and also the uh, wildlife department. Uh, I don't have that number, but certainly you could call the, uh, I would say, Fish and Game Commission. But, yes, I think the name has changed from that. But, anyway, they may be able to give you some advice and help. Yeah, Charles, two great suggestions, the Extension Service for your county or the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Wildlife Fisheries and Parks, or you could Google, you know, there are some uh, people out there that are help you get rid of unwanted uh, critters, so like a critter control person. So a couple of uh, suggestions there, uh, and hopefully uh, you'll be able to help your friend out there, and we appreciate your call here this morning on Creature Comforts. We're going to move on to our next caller, and it's from Brandon. Christine is on the line. Good morning, Christine. It's your turn. Go ahead. Good morning, and Dr. Major used to be the vet for my Pomeranian who has passed, and I know I missed earlier your conversation about cats and litter boxes, but my dad said I needed to get on quick, and so since I missed it, I have a question. I have a new cat, and for some reason, he is obsessed with peeing in drains, sinks, bathtubs. Unfortunately, I can't get him to the toilet. I tried. (laughs) I have changed several different types of litter, clumping, non-clumping, different brands. Any suggestions? Okay, is this an adopted cat uh, as an adult or is it young? How old is I got it? him at three months. Okay, so so you've had him for a while, three months. Some cats are obsessed with this, and I, I see cats that uh, will only drink from a running faucet. You know, they they know you. Some of them even know how to turn it on, which is not good. Uh, but as far as going in the in the drains. I, I guess I would suggest putting a litter, litter box, and I hate to do this, but put a litter box. Is he going in the bathtub or, or where? Um, bathtubs, and then I think he actually retaliates against me when he doesn't get his way and goes in the kitchen sink, which is disgusting. Yeah, that's. I would have to say that that's not... Not a good thing. At least he's going in a drain, but still, it is disgusting, as you say. Uh, I let me give it some thought and see if I can come up with anything. We'll talk about that again next week, or if you can leave your uh, number or email, we'll get back in touch with you. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. All right, Christine. I think email might be best, so we have kind of a written record of it. So if you would send it to animals at mpbonline dot org. So, uh, Dr. Major, just a, a less than a minute left, and I, I, I hesitate almost to give this suggestion because of the earlier call that we had with cats, but is it sometimes if they're going somewhere where we don't want them to, to kind of physically pick them up and put them in the litter box as if, here, this is where you're supposed to do this? I think she's tried that, yes, and I, I would say that basically that is one thing that might help, but as she said, the cat seems to retaliate against her, and it's not a good thing that he's going in the kitchen sink, I would say. So I, I could actually tolerate the bathtub. You can always rinse that out and wash it out. But uh, I would say that uh, after that, uh, I've got to give that some thought. Maybe we can come up with something that will help, okay? What, and also, I guess the sort of the retaliation is not, because I think my cat has done that a couple of times, and I, I guess they know that's a way to kind of irritate us. Uh, I know I was packing to leave once, and my cat started to try to pee in my <laughs> suitcase, which fortunately I caught him early enough to where there was no damage done, but it was a, it was not a fun fun uh, afternoon there at that time. So That's not a good thing, especially if you find out after you get to your destination. <laughs> okay. That's going to wrap us up for today. <laughs> Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. And funding is provided in part by listeners. 
So to uh, find our show, past episodes of our show, you can go to creaturecomforts.mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone. Our show was produced today by Java Chapman. So for Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's AutoCorrect. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.